0: Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on a cloudy day here in the capital, as once again we ensure we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. My name is Scott Challoner and I'm delighted to be joined on today's programme by Diane Kenny. Diane is the owner and director of the Courtyard Centre for Health and Wellbeing in Biggleswade, Bedfordshire. She's also director of local business Langford Assets. Diane, very warm welcome to you and thank you. Thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on today's programme.
1: Well, thank you for the invitation, Scott.
0: It's a real pleasure for us um, to have you on with us, Diane. Now, um, the purpose of this discussion, first and foremost, is to establish your take on leadership. And I think it's fair to say that leadership is really being put to the test at the moment, isn't it? With the emergence of COVID 19, no less, and the need for the leaders of governments, businesses, and organisations all over the world to chart a course through this unprecedented crisis. In your line of work, how has it been adapting to the challenges that the pandemic has brought about? Because I can imagine that they have been tremendous.
1: They have been. As I know, they have been for, well, just about everybody probably, both personally and in business. As you mentioned, I run, together with my daughters the Centre for Health and Wellbeing. All three of us are yoga teachers and teach meditation as well, so that's our main active contribution within the structure of our work. So everybody who teaches or is a therapist there, we have classes in yoga, meditation, pilates, tai chi mostly. Yoga is our, our main mainstay. So all of the teachers come in and operate and the therapists on a self-employed basis. So, for example, we haven't been able to support them with the furlough arrangement for employees because they're self-employed, but they have been able to um, get some money on that arrangement. Obviously, we had to close our doors immediately. The lockdown was announced quite a while ago now. This <laughs> a track of time. don't even tend to know which day it is because usually I know, well, Monday I'm teaching this and Tuesday I'm teaching that and so on. Um, that's all gone a bit by the wayside as well now. So we have closed down. We very quickly appreciated that we could do online classes for those. Obviously, the therapist can't work online, most of them, with things like osteopathy, acupuncture, physiotherapy, which we have, which involves very close personal physical touch. But some of our counselors, for example, are working online through Zoom and whatnot to hold sessions, which are extremely, extremely important. And we have an open phone line and emails, of course, so that people who are in any state of fear, worry, anxiety can ring us up for a chat um, and we can do our best to support and, and help them. So that's that's very important. For me, the technical sides of Zoom and NummerStream and all the rest of it... <laughs> <laughs> is a bit beyond my technical capabilities, but I think this is one of the qualities of leadership to acknowledge when one has areas of insufficiency of knowledge or expertise, as we all do, um, and willing to ask and, and to learn. So my daughters, who are just about, I've got uh, twin daughters, about to come up to their 30th birthday. Um, personally, they were planning on a big party, but that's gone AWOL now, of course. Um, So they've been absolutely brilliant in doing all the technical side of it. So we've had to invest and put money, obviously, into new equipment with tripods and cameras and special computers, recording equipment and work out how to do that and signing up to various uh, systems. So that's been a big learning process. But again, with the aspect of leadership, that's part of acknowledging changing circumstances, not being overwhelmed by them, but calmly and clearly facing them and looking at the bigger picture, not only getting into a panic, and, oh my God, how are we going to survive and so on, but saying, right, this is a situation, so staying calm and how is the best way we can deal with this. Mm. So that's what we're doing now. And in fact, in some ways, you, you talked about looking ahead to the future there. When we do come back to open our doors, which we're definitely going to do, you can't keep a good woman down, as they say, or a good team, Um, we're going to see how we can continue to incorporate the internet side of things and perhaps widen the scope of the people who come for our various services. At the moment, we're very locally based. People come in physically, but now we're hoping to encourage more people to try our approach to yoga, to meditation, to keeping well and healthy. We have a vegetarian vegan cafe as well, eating healthy, and all the general aspects of maintaining our health and mental well-being. Mental well-being is so important at the moment.
0: Would you like me to continue? I could, or shall I give you a pause to say something? No, I was actually going to ask him about the the mental health and wellbeing side of things, because I can imagine that even though um, the um, sort of online side of things has been an incredible challenge um, in some ways, it must be incredibly important for the mental health of those who benefit from your services, because that sort of social isolation during the lockdown is really going to have affected them. And I think that human interaction side of things that we get from sort of going to sort of fitness club centres, and also going to work in sort of a common space. I think we've taken that for granted a bit, haven't we, prior to all of this?
2: Well,
1: it's very, very sad. For example, a personal friend of mine uh, many, many years ago, way back when I was at at college, um, he doesn't live near, but um, he was living alone, recently separated from the marriage of 30 years, and then lockdown Came upon him as it did upon all of us. It was so overwhelming for him that sadly he committed suicide. And this was my first experience of a Zoom funeral, sharing some of the lovely memories of yeah. uh, his life. Uh, lovely, lovely man, witty, talented. So that side of his is very, very difficult and very sad. And the fact that People can't go there for funerals, for weddings, marriages, and so so many things. It is very sad. And this really reinforced me and my daughters to be very aware of this, to keep encouraging people, look, do get in touch if you've got any difficulties. We're, we're here and um, we'll absolutely do, do all we can to support you. We, we've also started, we have a website, obviously, and all that kind of thing and um, Facebook page, but we opened uh, another one, um, a group, the Courtyard Community, and that's also been very good where people can join it as a closed group and just feel a little bit safer really rather than it being more open to the whole planet and the universe on just having an open web page. So acknowledging those mental health issues because we do have a lot of people who come to yoga and meditation particularly who do have a lot of fears, anxieties, lack of self-worth, so many issues. So we have a good working knowledge of that. And as I mentioned earlier, we do have counselors, psychotherapists, um, people who do Reiki and massage and so many supportive therapies to, to help people through difficult times, whether it's physical health, emotional, Mental, psychological, spiritual crises as well. What's the point of it all and so on. So we're absolutely doing all we can to support people.
0: That's certainly very encouraging. And interestingly enough, um, as well as being an incredibly difficult and a very tragic time for businesses and communities all across the world, it's been a very significant learning curve as well as to the fact that businesses have had to really adapt to meet the challenges that the crisis has brought with it. Is there anything that you would say that you have learned as a positive over the last few months as you have adapted to this new reality amid all of that sort of horror and anxiety?
1: Well, the importance of community is so important. Our building is at the head of our high street in the village. We've got the church on one side and the conservative club, the politicians, as it were, on the other side. And and I feel we, we hold that space of acceptance of absolutely everybody, no matter what. We're not interested in what you believe in in terms of your religion or philosophy, atheist, whatever, or whether you're this party or the other party. We absolutely welcome everybody of any belief, race, creed, whatever. Very welcome. And we will help and support anybody who who comes our way. And this is one of the advantages of, of having the cafe in our business as well, that we can just sit there and invite somebody for a cup of tea and a chat or whatever. And often people write to come there and perhaps get together with friends before a class or have a little chat with us before they go into therapy or something or sit afterwards if they need some time just to re-centre themselves, as it were, before they go back to that world of practicalities and the challenges. So sometimes just, just getting through the day for, for, for some of us, in a particular moment. And the philosophy of, of meditation and of yoga is very much one step at a time, one day at a time and sometimes just one second at a time. I'll just hang on for this second, and if I can do that, then I'll deal with the next one. Mm. Because sometimes the mind can keep running ahead, running ahead, and then we can spiral down into that place when it starts to really get its tentacles on us of depression and so on. And as I mentioned, that can lead to absolute tragedy. Mm. The community, and I think... Personally and with a lot of our students who we chat to through the Zoom classes and so on, everybody has appreciated the encouragement to go out and walk, get back in contact with nature and on those walks as we pass others on their walk at a safe distance of course, we'll have a little chat and how are you, isn't it a lovely day? It's great to see, I live in a, in a middle over the river Ivory, to see the birds and the Signets and the goslings and so on and it's it's so encouraging that that life goes on these cycles go on and and must continue with their habits no matter what and that gives i think real hope that this will pass this will pass and we'll come through it with with a deep understanding of helping each other that we're in this together Mm. And and we get together
0: And thinking of that route forward uh, for a moment, um, are you satisfied that as things are beginning to reopen, you know exactly what's expected of you and there is that clear pathway now?
1: Well, yes, we are very much looking ahead and planning. We've measured out (laughs) all our rooms and worked out in terms of the classes and yoga, obviously, where we've got mats and so on, and even before it was complete lockdown, We were well equipped with sanitizers and gels and sanitizing mats and blocks and the other equipment that we use. So that's all ready there. And we're we're all set because we're one of the last kinds of businesses to be allowed to open up and function, as I'm I'm sure you know. So we've got that plan all sorted, and we know exactly what the maximum numbers are that we can get in each room and that we're going to start quite slowly again Um, cutting down a little bit on our staff because obviously it's been a considerable financial loss for us but um, we're we're very good at surviving on (laughs) minimal needs as it were Um, and we're lucky enough to have food to eat and each other to support. So we're all set to keep going when we can reopen and allow people back in to our centre physically again. And we've also been doing, we have in the cafe, it's a vegan cafe. Um, we used to have monthly dinners with people coming into the cafe when we'd posh up with tablecloths and candles and all that kind of thing on a Saturday night and have a, a lovely time, mostly with everybody we know, really. So it's a kind of a dining event. So we've been doing that as a takeaway service, which has been very much appreciated. And another good thing that's come out of that is that we've had several single people they come along at 10-minute interviews to collect their meal, which is all um, boxed up in biodegradable containers and so on. So several single people, six or seven at least, and we only cater for 16 people each time, have come along where, as normally... People on their own don't usually like to go to a restaurant and feel rather awkward going and eating alone. Mm. So that's been another very positive aspect of it, that we've been able to include more people, again, who perhaps are more vulnerable to the possibilities of depression and loneliness and so on when they're isolated at home on their own. So that's been a good thing. And again, we're looking at how we can, when we're able to open up and do the dinners again, because our cafe is too small, there's no way we could keep people a metre apart. Um, By doing that. So we're continuing with the takeaway meals and we will be looking at ways of um, perhaps having like a a table for single people to come and sit together if they want to, as it were, which we hadn't done before. So again, this is one of the qualities, I think, of leadership of of really having that insight and and to look again and not to ever think that, okay, I've sussed this, I've got this, this is the system, this is the way we do it. Because the dissent of COVID-19 upon us all came out of the blue, really, and shook us all up. And we have to be ready to adapt immediately and see how we can make positive change and how we can bring that about.
0: And thinking about what the future might bring, Diane, just before we do wrap things up on the programme, what do you really hope to achieve for yourself, for the Courtyard Centre, for Langford Assets as well, perhaps, and um, what exactly is going to happen, do you think, as we embrace the challenges of the, uh, the new normal in that sense?
1: Well, our general philosophy in terms of business is very much people and planet before profit. Obviously, we've got to have enough money to be able to keep going with what we're absolutely committed to, which is serving people in their health and well-being at every level. We are determined to keep going and to continue to support people in their well-being. We're actually going to be opening a part of our premises to friends of ours who already have a a zero-waste shop in Letchworth, nearby in Hertfordshire. So they're coming up to open um, a zero-waste part of our premises, which again is something that we very much support that concept of being kinder to our planet. And once again, as we mentioned, we've all been walking out in nature and I hope learn to enjoy that more, appreciate it, take much better care of it in so many ways with global warming, with plastics. And many of us go out with plastic bags and pick up rubbish that we see and, and so on. So I'm extremely positive. And as I mentioned earlier, the fact that because we've been Teaching people and communicating through the internet, that we'll we'll go on doing that, and therefore our own community, instead of being confined really to a radius of maybe ten miles around our town, it will be much bigger, and we'll be able to include more and more people in in into that. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm very optimistic.
0: That's really encouraging to hear, Diane, and given that um, it's been an incredibly insightful experience having you um, join us to discuss this, I think it would be wonderful to actually catch up and have you back on the programme in a few months' time just to see how things are getting on and how those hopes are being borne out.
1: Well, that would be lovely and I look forward to celebrating (laughs) with you when we're all set free again.
0: Let's certainly hope that that comes around sooner rather than later. Um, Diane, it's been a real pleasure having you join us on the uh, the programme today. I thank you once again uh, for the time taken to do just that. And most importantly, do continue to take care and stay safe with all still going on, because we're certainly not quite out of the woods with this one yet.
1: Absolutely, yes. And I wish you the same, Scott, as well.
0: That was Diane Kenny speaking, owner and director of the Courtyard Centre for Health and Wellbeing, and director of Langford Assets. Coming up next on today's programme, I'll be handing over to Matthew O'Neill for his exclusive interview with former Education Secretary Lord Blunkett. Um, Today, Lord Blunkett is an active member of the House of Lords, chairman of the Leaders Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and of course, former Labour MP and Secretary of State. He in fact became one of the most prominent politicians of his generation during his career, holding a number of senior positions in tony blair's cabinet and serving as the mp for his sheffield brightside and hillsborough constituency for 28 years all despite being blind from birth he was elevated to the house of lords back in august 2015 as baron blunkett of brightside and hillsborough and i hope that you enjoy listening just as much as matthew relished the opportunity to speak with him all of that is coming up next
2: lord blunkett welcome
3: chains and how we would cope. And without, uh, obviously, we've got enough fear and anxiety to last a lifetime without creating even more anxiety. We can think about those things for the future in a more rational way, I think.
2: Now, aside from the physical uh, threat of the virus, one of the things that people are vastly worried about is the effect on uh, the economy, not just national economy, but also the world economy. Um, Now, it it has been said by certain parties, um, and uh, I'd like to garner your uh, thoughts on this. Is there a danger of the effects of the lockdown being even worse than those of the virus?
3: Were it to be prolonged, I fear that that balance would tip the other way. It is about proportionality. It is about balance. It's the wisdom of solomon really to to get the moment right when you start to move and then to move quickly there's no doubt whatsoever that we are stocking up not just on the economic and employment front which will be devastating enough but on the health and social well-being front enormous challenges and they will need Careful handling because there's a lot of people whose lives, for a variety of reasons, are at risk in the future on a scale that we've been dealing with over the, the immediate handling of the pandemic. Concentrating really hard on those affected by COVID 19, those sadly who have died or been seriously incapacitated, that will roll over into the economic, the social, the mental health and cultural well being of the nation, and that will need all of us to pull together as well.
2: Absolutely. Now, do you believe the government's doing enough for business?
3: I think that the speed of reaction, once the scale of the pandemic was clear, was very good. I've praised Ricky Sunak for his action. Uh, remember, a chancellor who only just come into office was planning to deliver. The budget in the middle of March and has had three, at least three equivalent budgets since. I think he's handled it very well. Understandably worried now about what we're doing to our economy. The level of borrowing is sustainable because of low interest rates, but it reaches a point, of course, where it it tips over so that you can't then do the kind of structural investment requirements that the government were laying out before and in the March budget. And those will have their consequences as well as a planned payback over many years. I think we've learned something over the last few months. We we needed to take immediate action. We don't want another round of austerity equivalent from 2010 through to 2019. I don't think the nation, on the back of what's happened and the challenges we have, could take that. And therefore, we need a different plan, economic plan, over a much longer period, just as we did from the Second World War all the way through to 2002, when the final American loans were paid off.
2: Now, of course, uh, one thing that's on everyone's lips, um, how much longer do you believe uh, that the lockdown can go on for?
3: I believe that we need to be substantially back in action as an economy in June. This obviously is layered in terms of places where people would meet in large numbers having to uh, adjust to the fact that it will be longer for them. And sadly, that will involve business closures. It's why the Chancellor extended the furlough scheme to the end of June. Mm -hmm. But unless we, we get things moving in June, I think we'll run into the summer where all kinds of services and industries will have a chain reaction effect. And what happens with one will then have a major impact on another. And then you get the skittle effect where things get knocked down that you hadn't perceived were going to be affected. So I very much, if I were in government, and I always think of things